You are listening to Veterinary Mental Health, Turning the Stethoscope Around, Episode 18, presented by Thoughtful Life Counseling. Welcome to the podcast. I am Taylor Miller, a veterinarian and a licensed professional counseling intern. Mental health and work-life balance are critical issues for veterinary professionals. While not intended as a substitute for individual counseling, this podcast seeks to address many of the mental health concerns common to members of our profession. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I am excited to be back and looking forward to learning about procrastination with you. The research that I did for this particular topic took me in several directions that I wasn't expecting, so today's episode is going to be a little bit more contemplation and conjecture than is typical. One of the things that I noticed and that makes sense with the available research on procrastination is that it is most frequently done on your continuing education population. And certainly academic procrastination is one of the easiest to evaluate and notice. But that doesn't mean that we don't see procrastination behaviors in other aspects of our life, in work, in household or family tasks, and perhaps most importantly, in our personal health or care tasks. If we can agree that self-care is important, then putting it off should be examined through a procrastination lens. In my research, I did find several references to and several studies on bedtime procrastination as a specific construct in which there was a failure to go to bed at the intended time without any external circumstances preventing that bedtime. I thought that was very interesting. I have observed the phenomenon in my own life. I've recognized that I need more sleep, but suddenly it's 11 o'clock, 11.30, even midnight, and I just haven't gone to bed. I'm not scrambling to get any tasks done. The evening just melted away. One thing that I know has been true for me that might explain this phenomenon is a lack of quiet personal time. And sometimes in a life with small children, that evening time is the only space where that quiet reflection opportunity comes naturally. So I know that that is one factor that plays into that scenario for me, but I found it interesting, particularly given how important sleep is that we have this procrastination situation. And taking one step back, because I've already gotten away from myself, procrastination is the avoidance or delay of a task, either starting it or finishing it, despite the knowledge that there will be negative consequences. And those negative consequences may be punitive in the sense of a boss or missing a financial deadline and incurring interest, those sorts of things, or they may be lack of financial security with regard to savings for retirement or a reduced health status in your own body if you don't take care of those health-related tasks. So it doesn't have to come from the outside. It can be an internal consequence as well. Let's spend a minute on recognizing procrastination. There are the easy examples like having massively overdue charts, like waiting until the night before to put together a speech or a project that's due the next day. These are the more obvious ones. But there are some things in our life that I think we procrastinate on, but maybe don't label as such. And so recognizing them as instances of procrastination might give us a better handle on what areas of our life we could improve by reducing procrastination. So avoidance is an easy symptom of procrastination. If you're avoiding a task or even just avoiding reminders of a task, you should be suspicious. 
using denial or trivialization to discount the consequences of procrastination, several phrases that may indicate you are doing this include, it doesn't matter when it gets done as long as it gets done. I work best under pressure. Or, there is plenty of time. I have used all of these, particularly the I work best under pressure, or as I tend to phrase it, I do some of my best work under pressure. While I have indeed produced some things I am proud of while under pressure, there is no reason that I couldn't have accomplished those same things without the pressure. So keep in mind that these phrases might be pointing out an area of procrastination. Next is distraction, and I think this is one of the most difficult modes to recognize as procrastination, which makes it one of the most important ones to take note of. And distraction can happen in one of two ways. Either you can think of yourself as a busy person, and obviously, most of us are busy people, we're juggling many, many things. But busy can also become an excuse to avoid a particular task. If you find that a particular task gets re-entered on every to-do list because it never seems to reach the top, you need to consider that this item is not important and shouldn't be included on your to-do list, that you are having difficulties with priorities, in which case I refer you back to my values podcast, or that busyness is your excuse to avoid this particular task. The other way in which distraction can facilitate procrastination is if you allow interruptions in your day or you allow other people's priorities to pull you away, in quotes, to pull you away from something that you really don't want to do. So keep an eye out for that as well. If you suddenly find yourself imminently distractible, maybe procrastination is at fault. And then impulsivity or flexibility can also be a red herring. The idea that your day constantly fluctuates away from how you intended it to flow. And you may perceive this as a positive attribute that you can go with the flow and you can change direction quickly in response to things that are happening. And certain elements of that flexibility are attributes. You don't get bogged down in something that's really not working and you're able to change things up. But if that changing allows you, again, to leave something important by the wayside as you're constantly moving away from it, that is an indication that perhaps some procrastination is going on. So why do we procrastinate? And this particular question is one that was not well answered in the research that I did. There were certainly several good or strong hypotheses, but there was no consensus. And there's still a lot of questions about what perhaps is a symptom of procrastination and what is a cause of procrastination. So a lot of chicken egg scenarios that we have to work through. So I'm going to talk about some of the common themes that came up and some of the things that I have thought about. And you can decide what makes the most sense or what feels most true for you. So we did already mention the perfectionism hypothesis, the idea that we desire a particular outcome to a degree that we're intimidated by the process. So we prefer either never to start than to do something poorly, or we start late enough that poor performance could be blamed on lack of time rather than on lack of ability. On the front side, it can also mean that we are waiting for conditions to be perfect before starting, which sets us up for failure because conditions are never perfect. 
And related to this is that idea of analysis paralysis. So getting stuck in the decision making phase or the planning phase of a task and wanting that segment to be perfect. Again, trapping you in that portion of the phase rather than actually completing the task itself. One that I find interesting and more or less important depending on time of life or stage of life or whatever's going on in your life is called mood repair. And this is the idea that whatever task you are planning to complete involves some degree of stress, apprehension, difficulty, boredom, some kind of negative component. If you are already feeling negative for some reason, whatever is going on in your life, you have fewer reserves, fewer emotional reserves, putting something off or procrastinating, never mind in the future, that means it's going to be worse. In that moment of decision, you have a rush of relief. It's about finding a release for the pressure that you're feeling and having that sense of momentary well-being. Since the feeling of well-being is genuine, this type of procrastination can be difficult to address. From a behavioral perspective, it's one that has immediate positive feedback, so it's a behavior you are more likely to repeat. The next potential cause was one I found very interesting, and I would so love for this to be a back-and-forth conversation because I would love to hear other people's thoughts on how locus of control may or may not play into procrastination. Locus of control is something that you come across relatively frequently in behavioral literature, and it describes where your life's control comes from. An internal locus of control is derived from stable personal characteristics and effort. You feel that your effort and who you are makes a difference in how you move through the world. You are in control of what happens to you, and you control the outcome of the tasks that you engage in. A person with a more external locus of control often feels as though fate, chance, or powerful other people in their lives are responsible for the direction their life moves in. And it feels as though their life isn't really in their control, and so trying to exert control is futile. So making efforts or putting forth energy into tasks makes no sense. Or despite effort or despite focus, the tasks won't be complete, so it becomes more comfortable to procrastinate and put off those tasks. A person with an external locus of control is also more susceptible to distractions, that feeling that you have to respond to your environment rather than allowing yourself to shut the environment out. And this is where I would be so curious to share impressions and experiences. As an undergraduate or even in vet school, I felt like I had a very strong internal locus of control. Yes, the information that was thrown at us was a lot. That fire hose metaphor comes to mind. But I still had control over how much I studied, how much effort I put into each class, largely over which class I was going to do better in, worse in, with some obvious concessions to testing difficulty, etc. But particularly undergrad, I was able to craft each term, pair the classes that I liked, put them at the time of day that worked best for me. I was in control of my world. Then I began my first job and all semblance of control disappeared utterly. Our clinic catered to both walk-ins as well as people who wanted to schedule. 
and only a portion of those scheduled scheduled with a particular doctor. So it was largely chaos all the time. And in any given moment, I was able to control my response to the situation or to the person that I was with. But I never felt as though who I was or the skills that I was able to bring to the table or my effort or my energy could change, shift, or control the flow of what was happening around me. I was a cork in the ocean. I was certainly not the force behind the tides. I'm wishing we could talk back and forth about this because I would be so interested to know what other people think about this. If you feel as though your locus of control has changed over the course of your life, or whether it's been fairly consistent. Having children is another thing that can seem to change your locus of control. You are in response mode as a parent to children. You can try to set up a sleep schedule, diaper schedule, feeding schedule, activity schedule, all of these things. And to some extent, depending on the personality of your child, you may indeed feel as though you craft your days. But a lot of childcare, particularly when they're very small, is response-based. So, I found that one very interesting, and as a reason for procrastination, an external locus of control means that your efforts and your energy aren't going to affect the outcome anyway, so there is less drive to take ownership of tasks or projects. One other thing to consider is neurobiology. There hasn't been a lot of specific investigation into the neurobiology of procrastination, but a couple general things can be inferred because the opposite of procrastination, that is planning, attention, filtering distractions, and impulse control, all are executive functions that are taken on by the prefrontal cortex. And as we have discussed, particularly in our anxiety episode, sleep, stress, and anxiety can all override prefrontal cortex dominance. So we can see a reduced ability of the prefrontal cortex to achieve its normal operations in situations where there is sleep deprivation, high stress, or high anxiety. So procrastination, one could infer, is a breakdown of the prefrontal cortex's ability to regulate itself. Again, these are generalizations, but they do have implications for management of procrastination. But first, let's look at some of the more common consequences and correlates of procrastination. Procrastination has been associated with low self-confidence, anxiety, and a lack of structure and motivation in one's life. But are these the reasons we procrastinate, or are these the results of procrastination? Self-blame and low self-confidence can both spin us into a self-defeating pattern of behavior. So again, chicken or egg. Conflict in relationships with non-procrastinators. This seems a little bit more straightforward. If you have procrastination as a typical behavior in your life and a loved one does not, that is likely going to lead to conflict that is a result of procrastination. And then sleep disturbances. One particular study looked at the correlation between several sleep disturbance parameters and procrastination and found that people who were procrastinators had later sleep-wake cycles, so they typically went to bed later, they had a shorter sleep duration and worse sleep quality, and those individuals who procrastinated had a greater degree of social jet lag. Social jet lag is the discrepancy between circadian and social clocks. And by social, it doesn't just mean entertainment with friends. 
it means work schedule or school schedule, something that is outside of your control that regulates when you sleep and when you wake or how much you have to do after dark. I thought that was very interesting, that term, social jet lag, but it makes sense if you are constantly asking your body to oppose your circadian rhythm, you're going to end up with jet lag in the same sense that you would if you were moving across continents. So thinking about it in those terms emphasizes yet again the importance of trying to maintain a sleep pattern that is in sync with your body's demands. But one can also see how it becomes part of the feedback loop with procrastination. You are sleep deprived, which results in a reduction in self-regulation resources, so that prefrontal cortex isn't up to snuff, which results in more procrastination, so you have to stay up late to complete tasks, which results in more sleep deprivation, etc., etc. Which leaves us with the question of how to manage procrastination. As we have discussed procrastination is rarely as simple as having poor time management skills. Certainly, employing some time management strategies can help you counteract procrastination, but more often there is something going on that is larger than the resulting behavior. In cases where procrastination results from perfectionistic tendencies or a desire to repair one's mood or from that sense that your locus of control is outside yourself, then in order to completely address the procrastination, you have to address the root cause as well as the symptoms. But as addressing some of these larger concerns can take considerable amount of time, Here are some strategies for managing that procrastination in the moment, regardless of its original source. Depending on the form your procrastination takes, any number of the time management skills and strategies discussed in last week's podcast may or may not be useful. The one that I want to be sure to repeat is the elimination of distractions. If you know that you will use any opportunities to distract yourself or to procrastinate, preemptively eliminating distractions can help reduce triggers for procrastination. So shutting your phone off, all the way off, disconnecting Wi-Fi even if you're trying to get a task done on your computer and know that you're likely to be distracted by alerts or opportunities to fall down social media rabbit holes. So being creative about eliminating distractions and also becoming aware of what your distractions are, what does distract you, when do you find yourself procrastinating when you had good intentions. And this is where mindfulness can come into play, becoming more aware of your decision-making process process in the moment. As we discussed with habit formation, habits can become so ingrained and habits of procrastination we tend not to look at critically because we don't want to notice that we're procrastinating. So using those mindfulness skills to improve your awareness of what's going on can hopefully give you an opportunity to preemptively eliminate that distraction, set yourself up for success with a counterbalancing time management skill. The next strategy I have to offer was pulled from our willpower segment, I think the second podcast, so part two. If we consider that the most difficult part of a task is getting started rather than maintaining momentum, then a strategy that might be helpful is to promise yourself that you will complete 10 minutes of whatever task it is that you're trying to procrastinate on or you're trying to avoid. If after 10 minutes you still want to stop, then you're allowed to, but you have to get at least 10 minutes in. 
In many cases, we find that if we can just get started and get into the movement, get into the momentum, we're able to continue. And so that's what those 10 minutes are about. Looking at the entire task can be a lot more intimidating than looking at 10 minutes. In many cases, we can all agree that 10 minutes is doable, and you can even do it in stages. Do 10 minutes and then tell yourself, okay, I'm doing all right, do 10 more and then I can stop. And in some cases, you may be able to finish a two-hour task in this way, just doing 10 minutes at a time. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Finally, I want to return to our prefrontal cortex. While it may not be a direct reason for procrastination, anytime our prefrontal cortex suffers, our executive functions suffer. And those executive functions are what we rely on to keep us organized, to keep us moving along goal-directed trajectories, and to help us filter out distractions. So to optimize prefrontal function, we need to make sure that we're sleeping well, that we're moving, and particularly in moments where you are activated either by stress or anxiety, to reinforce your parasympathetic tone by doing that deep diaphragmatic breathing, which increases blood flow back to your prefrontal cortex and gives you the opportunity to have that executive function online in order to make the best choices. And that's it for today. So thank you so much for joining me on this procrastination journey. I will be shaking things up a little bit and trying to release the podcast from here on out on Thursdays. I realize I haven't actually had a consistent release date for quite some time. I've had some shifts in preschool days, my work days, off days. Anyway, it's been a bit of a challenge, but theoretically, my schedule is stabilizing now, so we will see how this goes. Thanks again for tuning in today, and good luck with your own school adventures if you have them. And I look forward to talking to you next week. This has been a mental health moment brought to you by Thoughtful Life Counseling. If you found today's episode helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving me a review. You can download the handout mentioned in today's episode by visiting my website at thoughtfullifecounseling.com. To have the handouts delivered by email, please sign up to receive my twice-monthly newsletter. If you have topic requests, questions, or comments, please contact me through my website or any one of my social media platforms. Take care of yourself and tune in next week for a consumer's guide to the counseling profession.